Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Hey, I'm reading from Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. And it says, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people. I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Hey, over the next few minutes, I'm going to speak to you from the subject, this idea of your taking notes. And I hope you do for this message is very practical in nature. I want to speak to you from this idea, the promise of redemption, the promise of redemption. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have, Lord Jesus, to be able to spend time with you, to be in your presence. Um, Dear King, I pray, Lord, that these words, um, that they wouldn't fall on deaf ears, Lord God, or distracted ears. But I pray, Father, that our hearts would be open, that our minds would be open, Lord, that the percentage of the church, Lord, that this goes over their head, Lord God, would not be found inside of this space now, Lord, but that we would be able to understand who we are, what you've put inside of us, Lord God, and how to be able to take the steps to do everything that you called us to do. Um, Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord God, that we don't, we're not spectating a sport, Lord God, but that we're actually participating, Lord God, and that we're involved in this thing. And in that same vein, Father, we pray today, half way for the Atlanta Falcons in the season but Lord we know that your real team is the Miami Dolphins and so Father bless them pour your love your grace your strength your protection your healing on them Lord in Jesus name I pray Lord amen and amen come on and make some noise for Jesus in his place amen Atlanta's gonna have a great year they're gonna have a great year Miami just might have a better one but listen um we, we, uh, we've been in this series in these last four weeks um, where we've been talking about four core promises that God has given us. Even the thought of hearing promises um, begins to uh, leave us in a space where we, we hear that and we're just like, ah, here we go. Like, what do I have to do to earn it? And it, it begins, it, it gets twisted. Um, some of us, because of what has happened to us in our childhood um, with life, period. And some of us in church, when we hear that, it's been manipulated and it's been turned into things. But God actually has good plans for you. God actually wants to bless you. He actually has promises that he has for you, that he wants for good for you. And four of those promises that we've been unpacking are found um, not only in the Seder, when the Jewish people, once a, every year, they have Passover. But they read these four scriptures or these four promises that God gave Moses before he let the people of Israel go. These promises, as I showed you, were in Ephesians chapter 1 and Colossians chapter 2. They're found in so many New Testament scriptures, but the basis or the very foundation of these promises are found in Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. And what we've seen is that these promises are not just for us to enjoy and for our enjoyment and to bask in the glory of God, but that this is actually a progression that we begin to move as Christians. That God has a plan not only to save you, but then he wants to sanctify you. He wants to clean you up. He wants to do some inner working, but then he wants for you to discover discover your purpose. He wants you to know that you are called ultimately so that you can get in a space so you can begin to do the things that God asked you to do, that you would make a difference in this world, that as Christians, we wouldn't sit on the sidelines watching other people play, but that we would step in the middle of it and that we would do the great commandment for our calling is found in Matthew 28, 19 to go and make disciples of all nations, right? And so here it is that we have this pathway. The first pathway is salvation. Salvation, this isn't something that you have to do. Uh, you get, uh, you, you have to do a bunch of things to earn this. 
Ephesians chapter 1, like we read last Sunday, this is by grace and by grace alone. You receive it by faith. You don't have to stop sinning. You don't have to give money to a church. You don't have to serve on team. You don't have to do anything except receive it. The moment that you receive it, then you step into the second promise, which is the promise of sanctification, where in this moment that you get saved, the Holy Spirit resides in you and he helps you to repent. Remember, we talked about this, that you repent of your sins. You don't keep walking your same way, but that you turn from your sin. You make a 180 turn and you start walking towards God. In that, you start to let go of some stuff. There's some sin. There's things in your life that you have to let go of. But you don't do these things to earn salvation. You do these things from salvation. Because for so long, what we do is that we walk this way and we're like, I'm going to get saved, right? And we're like, okay, let me change my ways. And you begin to repent on your own. But then you're like, dang, but her skirt was kind of high. And then you end up going right back here. And then you're just like, I'm going to repent. I'm not smoking no more. I'm not going to do this no more. But you know what? It's December 31st. One more time. I'm just going to do it one more time. That's it. And then you turn around and then, and you're heading into this cycle of repentance, but you're, you're really not doing it. Because the first thing you got to do is that you have to accept salvation. When you accept salvation, the Holy Spirit resides inside of you and allows for you to bear fruits of repentance. Then you repent. Once you repent, and we talked about this last Sunday, here is the idea of us having the strength of people in your life right? So you have to be close. You're spending time with God. You're reading, you're praying, you're doing all the basic fundamentals. And I don't want to go over last week's message, but there comes a space where you have to begin to trust people. And that's the hardest one for all of us to be able to go on the journey with people. That's why we have these G groups, not to do another thing, not to just have fun and laugh and joke, but for you to be able to take your mask off and be able to say, Hey, I'm going through some real things. Here's some things in my life that I need some help with. Hey, can you help me to rightly divide the word? I don't even know what thou is thus is. And for us to be able to say, Yo, there's another version. Top right-hand corner, just hit that little button with the three letters. I promise you, those are not gang symbols. Like, you can literally go down and change it. And it says you instead of thou. Changes people's lives. It's insane. Me, me and Nunzi were talking about this. It's, it's, I mean, it's absolutely... And, and listen to me. I will never, in this place, we, we are... We want people who are far from God. That, that man, those are the people that we want in this church. We're an emergency room. I want blood. I want guts. I want, I want it to be a place where broken people can come to. But we're not just an emergency room. We're also a doctor's office. We want to clean you up, but then we want to teach you how to care for your body and how to take care of yourself. So we're a little bit of both. We want to do everything. But walking in through these doors, there's sometimes that I have conversations with people and I'm like, hey, you remember the story of David and Bersheba, right? You remember Moses, right? Yeah. Which one's that? That one's the one that Jesus called? And so listen, so people, you need people in your life to be able to tell you, no, you're not, you're not, there's nothing wrong with you. No, we're not a Christian club and we got it all figured out. We know the hypostatic union of Jesus, how he's God and man. I'm not, none of that crap. What we do is that we can sit down together and say, yo, let's open up the Bible and let's talk. And so you need people in your life. But then, okay, you get saved. Then you get to the process of sanctification. The day that you take your last breath, that's when you're fully holy, you're fully sanctified, you're fully discipled on the other side of that last breath. That's when you're a perfect human. In the meantime, we're dealing with stuff and we're trying to be real. We want to take off our mask. We are self-aware. We're looking at ourselves. Why did I say that? Why did I punch that hole in that wall again? Why did I scream? Why did I do these things? You, you're able to see and recognize these things. But then you get to the third promise and that's the promise of redemption. And we all love a redemption story, don't we? We don't watch movies that just have this like negative ending. Like we hate those movies. You know what I'm saying? Like I hate those movies where the, the, the main actor dies at the end. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't like those movies. I don't know why they make them. And I cry for everything, bro. I think I'm just old now. Like I watching Coco Melon the other day. I was like, oh my God. 
like, why is, what is wrong with me right now? But we love the story of the guy that loses his way and so much is taken from him and it's crazy and people die and it's just, but then all of a sudden we begin to see it. My wife, we're heading into that season. I'm not going to tell you how many days to Christmas because I don't want to hurt your feelings, but we're getting into that season where my wife is like the Hallmark queen and she watches all the rom-coms and all these weird, like, I mean, just the dumbest romantic movies and I'm sitting there. And then me, like an idiot, I'm like trying to roll the tears. You know, fellas, we do this. We roll the tears so that you don't see it. And then we put, put that boy on this side and just, mm, my God. You know what I mean? But it's all about the guy who loses the girl. And then, you know, three months later, they're like, hey, I haven't seen you first. And then they get back together. And we're like, oh, my God, I knew it. They have kids. And we, I hate the movies where it ends and then they let you think of an imagination. I don't want an imagination. Tell me what happened to him. I want to know. Don't, don't give me this, oh, you figure it out in your own illustration. I don't want to do that crap. I just want to know what happened to him. Did he, what did he do? The redemption stories. Do you know that this is the story, this the gospel is a redemption story. The very gospel is a God that was, that he lives outside of time and splendor. Didn't have to do anything for us, but scripture says that he would step out of eternity. He would step into time, that he would live a sinless life. He would be wrongly accused. He would be killed. He would be pinned up on a cross. His father would turn his face from him. He would die. But then three, three days later, that the story didn't just end there, he, three days later, he would resurrect. Scripture says with death keys, the keys to death, hell, and the grave in his hand, and that he would offer us life. So no longer are we living in this life where we're just in this constant state of like, I got to work towards God. I'm away from God. I got to get back to God. But that we have a cross through Jesus because of his sacrifice that God accepts us. That when he sees us, he sees us as his son because he looked at his son on the cross as if it was you. My father, my father, why have you forsaken me? He never committed sin. My sin was on him. But here's what happens is that this cross and, and this salvation, it's all about a redemption story. It's all about taking individuals who were messed up and bringing them to a place where they can be alive in Christ. I'm going to ask nuns to come on up here and she's going to help me for just a minute. Redemption. Isaiah 43 verse 1. It says, but now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have, use that word with me, redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. The thought of a calling a purpose. Uh, a few, a few uh, men, a few years ago, uh, Barna, and for decades before that, the Barna Institute, they've always done this research. Um, the number one question that I hear, number one, without a shadow of a doubt, it's two of them from young adults, 30 and under, is number one, it's relational. It's about a boyfriend, a girlfriend, marriage, all that. But the second one is, I don't know my calling. I don't know my purpose. And I, 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 I can even say that it's not even, there's not an age gap to that because I have talked to some 50s and 60s that are like, I don't know what my purpose is. What's my calling in life? And so Barna had did this study and 82% of the church didn't know what their calling was. This number in a recent study has actually dipped down a little bit, but it's still alarming because 60% of the church right now has no clue what their calling is, what their purpose, what they were created for. And so that is still a question that's happening. But think about your body. Could you imagine if 60% of your body didn't know what it was doing? I mean, you'd be dead at best. If your body, your organs didn't know what they were doing, and we are called the body of Jesus Christ. And for a lot of us, we punch in on a Sunday. We listen to a message. We listen to some worship. And then we'll go back home. We live in this space of, we live in this space of salvation. And we're saved. And I'm, I'm, I'm just saved. You know what I mean? I do just enough. And I mess up, but, you know, I'm, I'm saved. And then some of us have gotten to the place where we, we become self-aware. 
and we're like, okay, what, what is going on inside of me? Like, what are some, some of the things that I'm doing? I want to change, you know, I want to, I want to move towards God. I want to go through the promise of sanctification where the Holy Spirit begins to regenerate. He helps us to be able to get better and start to do some stuff and stop doing other things. But then we stop here. We, we go in this back and forth and it's just like, I don't want to do sin no more, but, and, and back and forth. But a lot of us will never cross that threshold to actually understand what was I created for? We sit there and we think about it sometimes in the bed, but we'll get up and go to work the next day and for the next 10 years without ever really thinking like, yo, what's, what, what was I created for? And here it is that God wants to, it's the promise of redemption. There's something that God has already put on you that he wants to restore. That same word can be synonymous. It's a car, 1965 Chevy. That car cost $3,000 back in 1965. If you take that car and the more original parts that you put inside of it in 2023, that car is worth a lot more than just a couple thousand dollars. It was restored. It was redeemed. And so this is what happens with us. Our value, though in Christ, it has always been top notch. Our value to God is his son, right? That's a big deal. But now we start to develop stuff because now we start to see things and we're like, yo, I'm living more of a fulfilled life because I know what I'm supposed to be doing. What if I... What if I would say 100% of us would be able to walk out of this place today, and I'm saying this, 100% of us, if you're listening, if you're paying attention, if you're checking your Instagram, or well, I ain't in youth service anymore, but if you, if, you, if you listen and you're paying attention, you walk out of here with 100% assuredness of what your purpose is. I promise, watch this. When we think about our purpose and our calling and 60% of the church not having it, the question is, why? The answer to the question as to why we don't know is found in the very same text that I read to you at the very beginning. Exodus chapter 6 verse 6 it says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. These four I wills are found in the Seder, Passover. They take the four cups and they, they drink and they do Passover communion together. Um, they're observing Passover. We observe Jesus. They're still observing it and to this day they still quote these four promises. Third promise is that I will redeem you. I'm, I'm going to buy you back. I'm not going to leave you as slaves. I'm going to purchase you back. But then he says something that these two words explain the reason as to why we don't catch this thing and the reason why we don't know what our calling is and what is our purpose. What am I supposed to be doing? Because I'm saved and I'm doing the whole process of discipleship, but I have no clue what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. Well, it's because of these two things. Number one, it's because... It's a, God has to, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. The, the answer is found in that. Here's why. There's a reason why God, the creator of heaven and earth, has to speak in your terms. Number one, he doesn't have arms. He's a spirit. He's God. But he's using words that you understand. And it says an outstretched arm, meaning that he has to go down and he has to pick us up. Because some of us, we live with this inferior concept or this inferior co complex where we're sitting there and we're just like, man, I'm not good enough. And I see the pastor on stage and he got it. He's a good Christian. And I see the leaders and I see the pastors and, and the, director, the directors of ministry and the people standing at the door and, and waving people in. They got it. They, they, that's, those are real Christians. They got a purpose. But me, oh, you don't understand. I've, I'm low, Chino. <laughs> I'm at this spot where I'm like, I'm at the bottom of the barrel. We don't give ourselves enough credit, man. The beauty of the gospel, the beauty of God is that he would find you at rock bottom and he would stretch that far to be able to reach you. But this inferior concept and complex that we have is the thing that's keeping us from understanding and knowing what God created us for. Um, Psalms verse 18, verse 35. It says, you also 
have given me, you also, you have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up. Your gentleness had made me great. Here it is a picture of God that he has lifted us up with his right hand and he has made us great. Now the thought of being great sounds like a secular term. And it sounds like, oh my gosh, like, oh, trying to be a star, Beyonce. Listen to me. It's about God reaching you and empowering you to be your great self. You. It's about you. But here it is, a picture of God. This is the one that I deal with the most, if I'm honest with you. This is the one that I have the problem with the most because I've made some really bad mistakes in my life. And I've done some pretty dumb stuff. Don't leave the church, but I still do dumb stuff. Ask my wife. I don't got it all figured out. And the enemy understands that because in my own personal life, this is where he attacks me the most. He doesn't attack me with the temptations and lust and, and these things. Oh, I'm not perfect. Oh my God, look at the pastor. He's amazing. No, but I'll have dreams. I'll have, I messed up. I'll have dreams where, man, somebody will come and I'm sitting there watching TV and all of a sudden they'll come to me and they'll be like, hey, you know you killed this person. The police are coming. I'm watching Netflix. Who I didn't kill nobody? And the police is chasing me and I hear them in the back and I'm running out the back and I'm running. I'm like, but I didn't do anything. And it's constant reminder of my past life. And the enemy's constantly reminding me, but bro, you know people, you, you know the things that you did? And now you're sitting here preaching Jesus? And it's a constant deal in my life where I have, to, I have to make sure that I'm lined up with Jesus. If I'm honest with you, very basic. But I have to make sure that my alone time with God is real and that I'm actually spending time with him to continue to fill me. Because man, if I allow for my mind to start going, there's things that I'll say, I can't do that because I've done this. And for a lot of us, that's who we are, especially in a social media driven generation that we live in where comparison is killing your joy, is killing your calling, is killing your purpose, it's killing your marriage because you're looking at your wife and you're like, man, my wife isn't what I saw on this screen. My husband isn't what I saw in this feed. And the comparison is killing us. It's murdering our purpose. It's stripping us of everything that God wants to do in my life because we're watching what everybody else is doing. And God has to, with an outstretched hand, pick you up at rock bottom and be able to snatch you. Come on, anybody grateful for the long arm of God that he saves us, that he loves us. And he leads us in this place of conviction where we, we, we can listen to the conviction of the Lord and climb out of that hole. And the long arm, it's, a, it's conviction. He brings us out of that. Not condemnation. Condemnation is look what you did. Conviction is look what you did, but here's a way for, there's a way for you to get out. The enemy would always remind you of who you are. He always reminds me. I don't know if it's you. I, I, I read the, or I heard this story one time. And the story was that this guy, he walks into a pet store. And he walks into a pet store. He, he's looking for cat food. And as he's looking for cat food, he passes an aisle. And there's a parrot at the back of the store. And the parrot goes... And so this guy walks by, he hears the parrot, like, what the heck? And he keeps going, whatever, he passes by the aisle again. Psst, psst. He's like, man, what is, psst, psst. And so whatever, he goes and he goes to find out what's, what's up with the parrot. So he goes up to the parrot cage. And when he goes up to the parrot cage, he, he's looking at the parrot and the parrot goes, ooh, you ugly. <laughs> what did you, what? What did you say to them? Dude's talking to a freaking parrot. What did you say? Ooh, you ugly. You disrespectful bird. Like, what does he do next? He goes to snitch on the bird, bro. He goes to the guy who's in the front, the manager. He says, hey, I just walked by your aisle and your bird is like, Psst. he calls me over. When I come over, he's like, ooh, I'm ugly. Oh my God, I can't believe he did that again. I'm so sorry. He goes up to the cage. He opens it. He gets some rolled up newspaper and he hits it over the head. Don't tell people that no more. Bop, hits him over the head. 
locks the cage up. Don't say that no more. And so the dude is like vindicated. He's like, here, homie. Yeah, what's up? <laughs> Your mama ugly. And so he leaves. <laughs> a couple weeks later, he comes back to the store. And, you know, he's feeling a little bit about himself because he's like, oh, this bird is either gone or it's not even going to bother me anymore. He walks by the Alps. Comes back around. Oh, okay. Let's see what's up. He walks up to the bird. He's like, what's up? What do you got to tell me now? And the bird goes, ooh, you know. (laughs) Isn't that what the enemy tells us? Does he not remind us? For us that even are chasing our purpose and even making a difference, doesn't he get you on this side of the fence and say, yeah, but you remember? Before you got saved, all that cool stuff that you're saying, but you remember how many times you tried to kill yourself? You remember how many times you said you wouldn't sleep with her, but you did? Do you remember how many times you allowed for him to do whatever he wanted with you? Do you remember how many times you were manipulated and used, and then you started to manipulate? Then he begins to lie to you, and you got these whispers in your mind. And the more that these whispers happen, the more that they begin to drag you low. And then they start, look, this is what ends up happening. You start to bend your will, and you're looking at yourself, and you're like, dang, I'm a mess. Of course you're a mess because you're looking at yourself. What God has to do is way down in that bottom with an outstretched arm, he lifts you up and he picks you up so that you can look at him because the moment that you put your eyes on Jesus and not your sins, things begin to change. Your life drastically begins to change because you understand it's him, not me. I can't do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. But it has to be the moment that you understand that. Look at what Jesus says about us. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. What the Bible says in the masterpiece in the King James, New King James Version is he says, your workmanship. I put my hands together and I made something. I developed something. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. There's a purpose. There's something that you need to do and it's a good thing. Number two, the outstretched arm is the way that he grabs you. But then he has mighty acts of judgment. And in that mighty acts of judgment, I will redeem you with um, outstretched arms and with mighty acts of judgment. That mighty acts of judgment was what was reserved, or the thought of it is what was reserved for Pharaoh. Remember Pharaoh when he had, he let my people go and he didn't let them go and then the nine different plagues came out and remember that whole thing happened? The mighty acts were God's actual working in their life to be able to destroy the plan of the enemy over our life. But you know, I've given my life to Jesus. The enemy has no place rule over my life. That sounds good. Sounds real good. But the enemy still has tactics. We read about it last Sunday, remember? That he has, he has devices and he has schemes, plans that he has prepared for you. So what will happen is this right here. Um, Isaac, do me a favor. Isaac, come on up here. Come up here. Zach, come here. It's your birthday. It's your birthday. Come here. Happy birthday. Y'all say happy birthday, Zach. Stand, stand right there. Stand right there. Stand right there. And then, you know what, Marcus? Come on over here, Marcus. Come on. Come on. I got to get you. I got to get you. Came all the way from Miami, Florida. No, no, come over here in the front. He only want to get on stage and preach already. Come on, next week. He's preaching next month. Right there. I want you to stand right there. Right there. Right there. Here's, what, here's what's happening. Here's what's happening. We got to, we got, come here. Isaac, why are you so far? This is where the Lord wants you. <laughs> he got a call over his life. And, and here's the call over his life. Joe, wave your hand. Joe, wave your hand. Wave your, big Joe. Hey, all the grass that you see cut at this church is that one guy right there. One guy, with every, I'll drive by the church and he's like on a lawnmower every time with a weed eater or something. Man, I love you, man. I'm so grateful for you and everything you do at the church. So the assignment, I'm, I'm Cuban God for today. <laughs> I'm the chocolate God. And so, no, Father, don't strike me dead. I'm like, 
I got a call for Isaac's life. I got a call on his life. I want him to do something great. And my assignment for you is Joe, right? Like I want you to bless Joe. I want you to disciple Joe. I want you to teach Joe. I want you to help him in his life. And so what will happen is this. I want you to make sure that you're in Joe's life. And so you begin to move towards Joe. Come on, begin to move towards Joe. And then do me a favor. Can y'all step right there in the middle? Okay, cool. So now, okay, go to Joe. No, no, but Isaac, look, you can't go there. They're stuck in your way. So just come up here. You figure it out. However you want, yeah. You got it. Get to Joe. Can I read you something? First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18. Paul is speaking, and he said, We wanted very much to come to you. And I, Paul, tried again and again. But Satan prevented us. That word prevented in the Greek is the word ekopta. That word ekopta, it means to cut into, to impede one's course by cutting off his way. So what happens is that we get a call from God and this is where we're supposed to be going, right? And then there's, an, there's, there's, somebody, there's something that impedes you. There's a ditch that's cut in front of you. What will happen is that you went to school for seven years and all of a sudden when you graduated school, you thought you were going to go to that job, but your mom got sick. All of a sudden you thought you were going to go here, but all of a sudden this dude comes into the picture and he sweeps you off your feet. And before you know it, you're five, six, ten years down the line. He's left you. He cheated on you. You have a child and you're sitting there wondering, bro, what happened to my life? You get to a place where you get saved. You get to a place where you start to deal with the things that hurt. But then you discover your purpose. And when you discover your purpose, all hell raises up and he begins to ecopter. The enemy starts to put things in front of you to not allow for you to go. You guys can sit down. To not allow for you to get to where you get to. So meaning, this is what I'm meaning. It's not, he's not sitting there. What he does is that he creates distractions. He creates ditches. All of a sudden, opportunities step into it where you're just like, I wanted to start this business, but my friend told me he got all this Herbalife. But here is God, mighty acts of judgment. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It may not look the way that you thought it was going to look. And it may be different, the angle and the trajectory that you have to go. In fact, you thought that you were going to be so much more ahead, but years later, you're still in a space where you're like, man, I spent so much time what I love about this is exactly what Pastor Roca said, Pastor Rob said a few weeks ago when he was here, where he said that God will redeem your time. And that thought of redeeming your time is this idea that, man, I've wasted and I gave that company my best years. I gave that man my best years. I gave that woman my best years. I gave that person my best years. You ain't seen your best years yet because when you have God in the equation, you begin to take steps. And though there isn't a copter, you can go around. All things work together for the good of those that love the Lord and are called. The, the word here is called according to his purpose. There's a reason why you have that. There's a reason the enemy wouldn't sit there and have anybody, have you ever seen a movie where people have gotten into an organized crime division, right? Like back here with Nunzi and they're sitting there and they're like drawing stuff up and schematics and all this to rob homeless people. I mean, you don't see that. People don't get, gangs are not like, yo, blood, let's go, we're going to kill a homeless person. What? No. It's the people with value. It's the ones that have something that everything gets, the more they have, the more organized, the more organized the attack is. So look at your life and see what your life looks like. See how much a cop that has happened. And then you begin to see, oh, there's a re there's something happening. There's something that God wants to do in my life, in my marriage, in my children. There's something there because of all the attacks, the copter that I'm watching to happen. 
Can I show you something? Because some of y'all will even think that having to go around and lose time, you will even begin to tell yourself, I lost it. I can't do it anymore. I can't. Can I show you just a couple of people that did some stuff? I thought this was really cool. I want to show you this. Benjamin Franklin, he doesn't sign the Declaration of Independence till he's 70 years old. Nelson Mandela was 75 years old when he became the president of South Africa. Bill Wilson, that name might not mean anything to you, but when he was 40 years old, he developed the Alcoholics Anonymous. 40 years old. Some of y'all are in your 20s and y'all like, I lost everything. <laughs> the Lord can't use me. You're 50 and you're sitting there thinking to yourself, that's it, I'm done. I'm gonna die tomorrow. Da -da -da -da, I'm gonna hear the rapture, I'm gonna die. One of the two. No. Mother Teresa didn't get started until she was 38 years old, bro. Everybody loves Colonel Sanders. KFC. You know that he didn't start KFC till he was 65 years old? Vera Wang. Some of y'all been telling your husband to get you one of those for a long time. He didn't, she didn't start making dresses until she was 40 years old. Eric Yon. Eric Yon. The name makes you yawn because you know him. That's so stupid, Chino. And you don't know what the, you don't know who he is. But I guarantee you, you can ask Greg, you can probably ask Sean. They know who he is. It's Cisco. He had Cisco systems. He was a part of the Cisco systems. I don't even know what Cisco does. I know it's like Wi-Fi and internet and stuff and software. This guy left at the age of 41 to start a no-name company called Zoom. 41 years old. David Bazuck, he was 41 years old when he discovered the game that every one of your kids play. It's called Roblox. 41 years old. Samuel L. Jackson. Some of y'all seen him in all these comic books, and I mean, I'm sorry, all these Marvel movies, but the OGs, we remember the first movie that he ever was in, he was 43 years old. Y'all remember the OG movie, Jungle Fever? That was me and my wife. You got Jungle Fever. Y'all remember that? <laughs> only, the old people, only the old people laughed. Only the old people laughed. Sam Walton, he opened the first Walmart when he was 44 years old. Do you know that Jesus didn't even start ministry until he was 30? But we look at a copter. At the, sometimes the enemy throws stuff and our timing. And we're like, ah, the more timing, the more that God has to, with miraculous power, with energy, with strength, he has to rescue you from that moment and be able to lead and guide you. Romans chapter 8. I'm, I'm going to bring you around. Hey, listen, I know that you wanted to go this way and you thought it was going to look. It didn't look that way and it sucks. I really wanted to restore whatever that is. But now I got something that I want you to do. And I don't want you to go back and to how you used to read your Bible and you used to pray and how you used to go to church and, and how you used to be this man of God and woman of God and how much your relationship... I don't need you to go back. I need you to continue to move forward because I got new things that I want to do. Behold, do you not see that I am doing a new thing? I don't want you to go back to that person. The new person is going to understand more. It's going to read more. It's going to help more people. There's more ahead of you. Come on, anybody believe that in this place? That God still is not done with you? That you're not done? God hasn't given up on you? Romans chapter 11 verse 29 says, God's gift and call are under full warranty, never concealed, never rescinded. God's gifts are without repentance. He doesn't look at you and say, you made that mistake, you are that mistake, thus I have to eliminate you from this. Now that stuff is already living inside of you. I, I can show you how it's actually already living inside of you. How do we discover our purpose, Chino? So we know that God reaches us down and he does things. He, he spends energy to be able to get us towards what he wants us to do, right? So he spends energy in our salvation. And then we bring, he brings the right people around us and we start the process of discipleship, sanctification. We start to grow in our faith. We start to become men and women of God. We understand sin and we get things, right? But then we get to a place where now we're starting to understand a purpose. What was that created for? When he gets to this place, 
What do you do? How do you discover your purpose? I'm going to show you because what happens, a lot of us, we tend to think that the, the call of God is this like, the lights turn on and this miraculous like, oh, I know, like in the movies, I know what I'm supposed to do. And we get like, the, and for some of us, we did. Some of us, we, it wasn't no miracle. We were so broken and so hurt that God began to reveal, as things started to chip off for you, God began to reveal to you your purpose and your gifting there. And I mean, in, in, in the darkest, hurt, most hurt moment. And so we, we think that it's this big, oh, big revelation. Oh, I know what my purpose is. I'm supposed to do that. <laughs> Can I show you something? Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. I knew you. That word knew, that's an intimate knowing. That's not just like, I know who you are. That's an intimate knowing. That's like, I know you. Like, I know your ins and outs. I, I know you. Think about that. It's an intimate knowing. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. I already knew you before you were a twinkling in your daddy's eye. Before I formed you, I knew you. There's a reason why I'm telling you that. Look at the intimacy of I knew you before. Because what happens with us is that we think that God birthed us. or We got God. We had my mama birth me and I'm, I'm, I'm alive and I'm like, oh, and then I go through things, right? I go through experiences and hurts and pains and, and I learn skills and I learn trades. And then all of a sudden the Lord reveals to me, oh, this is the calling that I want. Because your life got shaped this way and because I was able to chip you this way, this is what I want you to do. But in reality, this right here will keep you in a circle and in a maze looking for something that you will never find because it was always with you. Because before he ever formed you, he already put it inside of you. So could it be that our destiny is actually revealed in our design? That when we actually look at who we are and we begin to look at ourselves and understand our identity, our giftings, our callings, when we actually start to look at ourselves, we begin to look and nine times out of 10, it's that one thing that you're too familiar with. Yeah, that's not, that's not my calling. There's no way. Yo, nobody could do it the way you can. Nobody could do it the way you can. You have a gifting and a skill set. I mean, you, you just, you got it. God knows you have it in a way that I can never do it. This thing right here, you probably look and if I tell you, come up here and preach, you're like, oh my God, the devil is a liar. No, it's not the devil. I'm asking, don't call me the devil. I'm just asking you to come up here and preach. But if you put me in front of a computer, I'll die. I wouldn't want to do it. I, there's some things that you're gifted at that God put inside of you. I, 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 my best friends in the planet, Jason and Allison are here. And I, I remember they were, they were running kids on. They kicked me out of kids. Let me explain the story. Cause some of y'all are like, Oh, what is he, the devil? I was the youth pastor. And when I was the youth pastor, if a kid was acting up, I would tell the sound man in the back, yo, turn the volume all the way up. And I would bring the kid up and I would hit him on the head. And when I hit him on the head, the volume was loud. It was like, boom. And it'll be funny, but he'll stop. Cause I embarrassed him. Well, Jason, Allison, they call me and they're like, hey, come speak at kids. I'm like, amazing. I'm ready. <laughs> and there's this little kid that's just acting funny. And I say, yo, I said, buddy, come here. And mind you, in the church that we had, everything was in the same space. We had our team meetings. We had our, G our kids there. We had our youth there. We had everything there. College was there, everything. And so um, the sound man was the sound man for youth. So he knew what time it was. And I'm like, you got it. So I'm like, buddy, what's up? You all right, man? You, you're, you're distracting and acting crazy. He's like, <laughs> he's doing this stuff. You got a demon? I'm like, okay. 
I'm like, and I remember, and I remember very lightly and gently, I tap him on the head. Boom! And this whole thing. Bro, this kid starts to cry. They're right here. They know I'm not lying. For three services. This kid is crying for three services. His parents serve at the church, so he's there. He's like, this is his deal. Yo, real quick, I learned kids' ministry is not my jam. Not a kids person. Jason Allison, they never, they like incognito, never asked me back. I'm like, everybody's getting to speak. I want to come back to kids. Uh, yeah. Hey, did you see the Dolphins? They start today. They play against the charge. <laughs> Listen to this. Psalms 139, verse 13 through 14. You made all my delicate and inward parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. He put giftings and talents. He started way before. Watch this. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. That word complex for some of us, it's a negative deal because we're like, oh my God, my life is so complex. God made that that way. There's a reason why you can be around people and be an extrovert, but you also love to spend time by yourself in a room. You're an introvert. You can live in both spaces. God created you that way. There's a reason why you can draw real good and there's a reason why you can get in front of a computer and organize stuff or you can have a conversation with somebody because God has made you complex and intricate. He's created you that way. And listen to this, your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. The key to this thing is, is God, right? Puts gifts and talents and think about what he has done. Think about how powerful he is. That before he has ever allowed circumstances, and circumstances strengthen things and actually tear down things, but the root of it is that God already put those things inside of you. You're looking for your calling. You need to figure out who you are. It's revealed in your identity. You need to start looking at yourself. What are some of the things that I do really good? I do kids ministry really well. I preach really well. And this is church stuff. Some of y'all are really great businessmen. And you can take something. Y'all sold M&M and Skittles at the church. Y'all were the trap man at the schoolhouse. Everybody knew that you had the now laters. Everybody. Everybody knew you had all the candies. You were the defender of defenders. There's things inside of you. Some of us are in jobs that we look at these jobs and we're like, this job is keeping me from ministry. I need to work for the church. When in reality, ministry is your, your job is ministry. You're leading people. You're in spaces that I would never be able to go into. You're walking and you're in spaces and talking to people. It may be one person. It may be 10 people. It may be 100 people. It may be 100,000. It may be a million people. The numbers don't dictate the power and the potency that God has placed inside of you to just deal with one person. One person's life can be changed and that person's entire family can be changed, et cetera, and et cetera. We look at the numbers because comparison is a thief of joy because we look at people on stages. You look at me and you see me with a microphone and you're like, oh, but I need the, I need the people. Man, you don't need the people. You need the purpose. If you have the purpose, God will bring you the people that he needs for you because he wants to show you something. You could be a firefighter. You can be in the workplace. You could be in ministry in a secular job. That ain't got nothing to do with God, but yet you're sitting there with your boss and your boss is like, yeah, me and my wife, we were just, you know what I'm saying? And you're just talking to them and you're ministering because you're allowing for God to use you in whatever space, but that stuff is already inside of you. So number one, you have to, you have to discover it. Yo, what is God, what's inside of me? Let me, let me discover my design. There's personality. To, I'm super excited because next Sunday, this Sunday, we're going to be teaching the four habits of a believer in next steps. But next Sunday, we're going to be having these four, the, the spiritual strengths test. This is really good for you to be able to take an exam that begins to show you, I knew that I could do this well. My friends told me I could do this well. My auntie, she was like, the Lord has a call over your life, but she's weird. But I know that she told me this, but now a piece of paper is actually telling me the same thing. My, that paper ain't spoke to nobody. What in the 
Benny Hinn is this paper. You know what I'm saying? Like this paper is telling me who I am because it's your design. And if you could discover your design, you can discover your destiny. But number two, once you discover it, you got to develop it. Ephesians chapter four, verse seven and eight, it says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says when he has ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. This is Jesus talking about it. And he's actually giving you something. That gifts is Dorea. That's a, that's a gift. That's an empowerment that God has given you that lives inside of me. An empowerment that you have that I don't have. I can't do that thing. You're the one that does it. But you, you begin to develop this thing and you start to move it. That's why the church, I believe, is a space where we begin to develop those things inside of you. Where you can start to learn and to start to do those things. There's some of us in here that are in school. Some of us are in seminary. Some of us are in the marketplace. The instruments, the tools that we're giving you are practical in nature because we want you to go and affect change in the space that you are. Because at the end of the day, it's not about you starting your 501c3, about you being the last Coca-Cola in the desert. But it's about you making the name of Jesus known in every space of life. That there would be no obscure place. But that you would shine the light of Jesus everywhere that you go, wherever God has placed you, wherever God has placed you. The last one is that you have to use your gift. You have to use your gift. Watch this. First Peter chapter four, verse seven through 11. It says the end of all things is near. Dun, dun, dun. Therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. There's a, that's a whole word in itself right there. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer, offer hospitality one to another without grumbling. Watch this. Here it is. Each one of you should use whatever gift you have received to start your 501c3 nonprofit organization. Your website. I'm sorry, to start your business cards. So you can have your business cards. To serve others. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its, read that with me, various forms. So many different ways that God has given you. So many different thoughts and ideas and creativity that is in this room. That is the room will catch this. That it's not about me and a selfishness, but it's about others. Mm, things will begin to change. The various ways. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. There are various forms. I have this form. Nuns, Nuns has her own form. And she's been back here and she's been, this is her talent and her skill and her gift set. This girl's crazy though. She got various forms herself. Because then she'll jump on the piano. Then she'll come and sing. And then she'll sit there and take your picture. And then she'll sit there and cast a demon out you. I mean, this girl can do it all. I mean, nuns is like, she's all over the place. But it's various forms. The beauty of it is that God has given us, all of us, gifts. We, we have them. They're living inside of us. We have to discover them. But then when you do it, God begins to take care of you. God begins to pour his blessings on you. God begins, as you begin to take steps. I don't know what I'm doing, God. I'm going to take a step. There's another pathway, another door that's open, another opportunity. Hey, thank you for helping me through this issue that I had. Hey, can I show you? I want to show you my cousin. And all of a sudden, your cousin is the guy who you've been trying to link up with because you had this idea for so long. And the cousin that you didn't even know, he also has that idea, but he's taking three different steps. Step number two in the middle is the one that you've been missing. Now you met the cousin because you missed this person. And all of a sudden, you're like, yo, what the heck am I doing? That's the way God works. The heck am I doing in Georgia? I ain't got no... Do you know that right there, and Jason's right here, Allison's right there, my wife is right there. Do you know that right on the other side of that playground, we used to come here to Georgia when we were thinking about planting a church? 
how long was that? Eight years? Seven, eight years ago? Way before we ever thought we would be in this building. Because God has a funny way of, or anybody watch Manifest? All things are connected. <laughs> it's all, God knows how to do it, but you just got to take your steps. And when you take your steps, God begins to move it in different ways. Uh, God doesn't consider the ultimate role of worship or the uh, uh, ultimate expression of worship when we sing and we raise our hands and we sing songs to him. God considers the ultimate expression of worship when we demonstrate his love towards other people and lead them to him. When we begin to shine a light on him, when that right there, that's an ultimate sign of worship. When we are selfless, I'm not getting saved again, but you are. Ooh, something changes in you when you have that. I'm from Miami, Florida. I didn't even know you can buy a house when I was a kid. I thought that was for rich people. I was poor. We couldn't afford the or the R. We were just, we didn't know that. We lived from apartment to apartment, never had anything. I, I you know, I, I met my beautiful wife. She's somewhere around here and she had a house. She was independent. She had her own apartment, own condo. I-N-D-E. She was, she was, she was independent. And so I remember we got married and I was like, oh, I got some, what? <laughs> She had her own car. I had a little Saturn. You remember the little Saturn? And then I had a, a caravan that ain't had no license, no insurance, no nothing. But I was car washing out that mug. But boy, that thing was illegal. But I'll pull up on you quick. Hey, you need your car washed? I was trying to make it. And I remember that we, we ended up buying a house. And when we bought a house together, we were like, yo, I, I'm, I'm excited. And then we thought, okay, we're going to Georgia. And then we were like, okay, we're going to sell this house and we're going to buy another house. But I told my wife, one of my prerequisites for buying a house, I need to have a yard and I want a basement, babe. I got to have a basement because you know what I'm saying? I got to, I'm going to put my bachelor pad down there. You know what I'm saying? Pool table. Shout out to Isaac. I want to have, I want to, yeah, I want one of the, I want one of the refrigerators, but that has the glass in front of it so you can see the Cokes, like they're all lined up pretty. I need a Coke. Get a Coke, man. Get a Pepsi. There's just some Capri Suns in there too if you want some. You know what I'm saying? Nothing wrong with a little Capri Sun. And I was all excited. I was like, oh man, I, I want my, ooh boy, we're gonna have Nerf guns down there. You know what I'm saying? I, I watched my Dolphins game. I need to hurry up. Um, <laughs> in Jesus' name, amen. The game's at four, so I don't care. Hey, so I'm like, so I'm like, I'm gonna do all this stuff and I'm gonna have this basement. And then we move and then we bought our first house. And then I started to watch my boys. And my boys started to look like me. And Ramses is literally almost as tall as I am. They won their first game. They beat Rome, by the way. Turn up. If you're from Rome, I love you. God bless you. But that was their first game they won. I thought we were going to die. Yo, my, my kids are big. And, they're, they're, and we were like, yo, my wife was like, babe, you know, that they're, they're probably, they're, they're probably going to need like a little room or something. You know what I mean? I'm like, they got a room. <laughs> but downstairs, we probably got to make something for them. So I was like, dang, man. So we got to. Yeah, we got a, the basement. They need, the, they need a room. And so I remember I was, I was starting to draw schematics and we were, we're going to break this wall down. And, and it was, it's a flat space. So we were like, we're going to build this here. And as time went on, I started to like, yeah, but he's going to need a closet. Like I want the closet to look like this. And we got to, so he can see. And maybe like a little desk area. We're going to create like a little thing and put a light there. And Nuno and Angel and, and some other team, there were some other people that helped us to do this. And it took a while for us to build it. But we, I was annoying because I was like, no, no, but I want his like this. And he's going to put this here. He's going to really like it. And then I look in the bathroom. I'm like, mm -mm, man, my boys are big. They need space in this bathroom. We need to eliminate some of this hallway space and some of the space where I wanted to have the TV room. We need, I need a bigger bathroom and they need a bigger room. Something shifted inside of me. When I stopped thinking about myself and what I wanted to see and when I began to think about my kids and what I can offer to them. 
something shifts in your mind when you stop thinking about, oh man, I got to discover who I am, my purpose, my destiny, all of this stuff because I'm ready to make a name for myself. And when you begin to understand, yo, this is, this is about serving other people. There's something about, I need, there's people that I need to help with the gift that God has given me. I always didn't think that way. But my, my design, remember? My design was always thinking that way. My design was always leading people. The only thing was that I was leading people to a place where they didn't necessarily want to go or a place that God wanted them to go to. And so that caused me to make some really bad mistakes. I was 19 years old when, when I started to look like this and when Nuns has, has been painting. And so, so she's amazing, by the way. So she can draw a portrait of your whole family. So <laughs> I started to, I started, what you don't understand about this is that this is a, this is a 19-year-old Chino, 20-year-old Chino. This 20-year-old Chino was sitting in prison and these are prison uniforms that he has on. And my life up to that point was a disaster because I was leading people towards destruction. I was leading gang members and telling gang members, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And hey, listen, this is what we're going to go. We're going to go to this street. And I remember getting them in cars and we're going to go to South Beach and we're going to do this and this is what's going to happen. And I was always the orchestrator and the planner of things. And all those orchestrating and all those plans ended up me up in a space where I ended up wearing some prison uniform and I looked like this. What's crazy about that is that I got to a space when I first got in there, a little bit before this time. And when I got there, I said to God, if I go home today or if I go to prison for the rest of my life for this gang fight, I need you to change me. And I went to a Bible study. Five months later, this kid, he started leading that Bible study. Some months later, hey, why don't we go to your bunk and why don't we invite the three dudes that can't speak English? Let's bring them over here. You're going to sing a song. When you sing that song, I'm going to just, I'm going to, I got this word that the Lord showed me in the scripture and I'm going to share it. And then we're just going to tell them to close their eyes. And, and if they say yes, then on Tuesdays, we're going to go in the back and we're just going to start through the book of Matthew with them and start deciding. I was still the same guy. My, my design was always leading and doing these things and, and envisioning and, and, and my thoughts were always trying to build something. I was just doing it in a negative context. But then this guy completely changed the game. Because now, a bunch of years later, he's standing in front of you in a platform in 2023, preaching the gospel, still doing the very same thing, leading people, this time not towards destruction, but towards Jesus, putting the line on Christ. I had an helicopter. I had an helicopter. The enemy put a place before me. I stumbled, I fell, I hurt myself. But God worked all things together to the good. Then now, I'm no longer in there, but I'm actually still in there. And a few weeks ago, I'll show you this picture, not for glory, but for inspiration, that a few weeks ago, we were able to go to a Texas prison and over 800 inmates gave their life to Jesus because this kid got it. He figured it out. What he figured out was that he couldn't do it on his own, that he needed Jesus. He needed to find when he found Jesus, Jesus began to use the giftings and the talents in him in the darkest place. I wasn't, no, I didn't walk in through a church and I was like, and the prophet said, and you are going to be ta 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 ta. No, bro, I was sitting there facing a lot of years of my life and I just said, I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. This is what I know how to do. And as I started to do that, God began to reveal and God began to strengthen me in ways that I never imagined. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, last one. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work or the love you have shown him as you helped 
his people and continue to help them. It's a redemption story, right? We all love a redemption story. But the redemption story is the gospel. It's the idea that you were far from him. Some of us in this room, we still are far from him. Some of us in this room, we don't got it all figured out. We, we relate to this guy when he first got in. Just, I might not do bad things, but, you know, I got, I got some issues. Well, the, the idea is not that you can, I can preach a message and you can stop doing your issues. The idea is that you got to come to Jesus and that when you come to Jesus, he lives inside of you and that he begins to work through you. And then you start doing some cool stuff. Then you discover, I know what I'm doing. And then you start to run towards this thing. Next week, I'm excited because I got the last message of this, this series where I'm going to talk about actually doing something about it. And what does it look like for you to actually be doing what God has put in your hand? What does it look like in action? And I got some stories that I'm going to share with you, but I'm going to show you how fulfilling it is to be able to live a life in action. But before we ever get to here, there's some people that are on the outside looking in. There's some people that are in this room and are just like, Chino, I, I get it. But man, I relate to that kid. BC, <laughs> before Christ. And I'm in a space where right now I feel like my destiny, the design that God put inside of me is so filled with anxiety, with shame, with guilt, with sin. I feel like I'm in a space, man, which, you know, I don't got this thing. I don't, I don't even know what to do. Well, the first thing you have to do is that you have to give a God access. Admit, hey, I'm a sinner. I screwed up. But God, I need you to heal me. I need you to save me. I need you to forgive me. And then God begins the first promise, which is the promise of salvation, that he will save you. Then you could take the rest of the steps, but, but right now, the first step that you got to take is that of giving your life to Jesus. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes in just a second. And I'm going to share some thoughts. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if that's you. And then I'm going to lead you in a prayer, understanding that prayer doesn't save you. I'm just giving you some words from scripture that God gave. Faith is what saves you. Today, your heart isn't beating because, oh, the piano is really nice and no, no, the, the Spirit of the Lord draws all men unto repentance. He, he draws you. It's the Spirit of God. I'm just running my mouth. But would you do me a favor and would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a second? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. And we hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and 